The moment you get a little fiber, the moment you get a little spiritual strength, the enemy's gonna walk up and say, who do you think you are? You think you're, you know, the next Billy Graham, you think this and that about, hey, you are nothing, I can wipe you out. Today, Pastor Ray Bentley explains how to properly oppose our spiritual adversary. I stand here by the will of my Father. I stand in the name and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Our adversary is no match for God. You have to wonder why he even tries. But his passion is to try to bring believers down, to isolate them, to intimidate them, to tempt them, and then to neutralize their testimony. Today, Pastor Ray gives us good insight on how to stand in the Lord's victory. Let's open our Bibles to the, uh, the good news according to Luke, chapter 13. We're going to look at the last few verses of chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. And um, the Lord has a special word uh, for all of us. And um, it's very, very cool. Jesus invites us to come underneath the shelter and the shadow of his wings. We're going to come underneath the shelter and the shadow of the wings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound good? Luke chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 31, it says, On that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he, Jesus, said to them, go, tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. These uh, Pharisees that are now coming, and by the way, uh, Luke lets us know how the Pharisees feel about Jesus. They don't like him. Uh, he didn't come by them. He didn't come through them. He was not approved by them. Back in Luke chapter 11, Jesus had pronounced six woes upon the Pharisees. And I put into your notes here, going back to Luke 11, verse 53, it says, When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. He basically said, woe unto you. You guys are supposed to be leading other people into the kingdom of heaven, and you're not. You're supposed to have the answers, and you don't. And so now all of a sudden, here are some Pharisees, and they go, look, Herod has heard about you. He's after you. You better get out of here. And they're acting like they're giving friendly advice. Uh, Jesus does not take their advice, nor was it really friendly. I want to uh, give you a couple of scriptures because Jesus said to beware of several things. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, if you have a pen or a pencil, I want you to write down this little cross-reference. I believe it's Matthew 16, verse 6. 
And there Jesus said, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then he also said, Beware of the leaven of Herod. And that's found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 15. Now, let's put that all together. Jesus said, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, beware the leaven of the Sadducees, and beware the leaven of Herod. Now, who were the, you know, we know who Herod is, we'll talk about him in a moment, but uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Pharisees basically were the religious Jews who believed in the Bible, they believed in the prophets, they believed especially in the law of Moses, they believed in angels, uh, they believed in life after death and the resurrection. And then you had uh, the Sadducees who really were kind of the materialists, the agnostics at best, if not outright atheists, they were into money and they were philosophers. And as some people would say, they did not believe in the life after death. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they are sad, you see, right? So um, another way of putting it is that Jesus said, and let me put it in a little bit modern vernacular, beware of the Pharisees, or in other words, beware of the leaven of the religious conservatives. And then he said, and beware of the liberal Sadducees. And then he said, and beware of the politicians. There's leaven, even in a conservative point of view that does believe in God, there can be leaven in that. There can be leaven in kind of the agnostic, philosophical, liberal position, and there's certainly leaven within politics. Jesus said, beware of the leaven in all three. How many would agree you've seen leaven in all three of those? Beware. Now here's their response, because they're coming to him and saying, look, we're doing you a favor. You better get out of here. Herod is after you. And Jesus, you know, is there some who would make Jesus a very mild and, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. But Jesus says, you go tell that fox, Herod, the politician, I'm going to keep doing miracles. I'm going to keep doing what my father has told me to do. And in three days, I will have accomplished his will for my life. He's talking about his future death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, Jesus does nothing to soften his approach. And in fact, those he is talking to, he says, you guys are filled with pride. He does not accept their advice. And, and I, I want to put a little bit of backbone into us as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. We do not want to get pigeonholed into any worldly or particular philosophy or group. We are members of the kingdom of heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen? That is our number one loyalty. We adhere and, and our bylaws are right here in the word of God. That's where we stand, that's where we stay, that's where we wanna walk. And there can be leaven in all other kinds and other versions and forms as men take things and either try to put themselves above the word or below the word or even beside it. We wanna be in the word and have the word be in us. But notice that though Jesus was the lamb of God and he was meek and he was gentle and he was approachable, have you noticed that there were times when he just stood his ground, didn't try to be uh, nice about it, but he said, no, here's where I'm going, here's what I'm doing, and I will not be deterred, I will not be distracted, 
and this is where I'm headed. I'm going to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that there was actually a uh, kind of a collusion between these Pharisees and Herod and those who were in charge in Jerusalem who were already waiting for him to come. Herod was, was in fact, afraid of Jesus. You know the story of Herod? Uh, that he had taken his brother's wife and he was living immorally and he was claiming to be the king of the Jews and now Jesus is this rival king. It's actually the Herod Antipas that was up in the north, uh, Herod the Great's son. And when he heard about Jesus and miracles and a prophet and, and that he was humble and that he was preaching uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the same message John the Baptist had been preaching, here's what Herod thought in his paranoid little brain. He said, oh no, it's John the Baptist has come back to life to haunt me and to convict me. And uh, so what did Herod do? I mean, even if he thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, well, he might have repented and asked for grace and forgiveness. Instead, what does he do? He gets harder and he hardens his heart and he threatens now to kill Jesus. Now, look, if killing and beheading John the Baptist gave this guy nightmares and torment mentally, uh, does it make any sense that he wants to repeat the same dumb thing that he did before or even threaten Jesus? No, it doesn't. So Jesus' message to Herod is, I am not moving. Again, in verse 32, go tell that fox, which means a, in, in the Hebrew language, it's a cunning, deceptive, thieving uh, kind of a creature out there in the wilderness. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. It's another way of saying I'm a king. I'm in charge, I'm on a, in the authority of my Father in heaven, and the third day I shall be perfected. In a way, he's even preaching the gospel there. Jesus is saying, I'm not moving. When you know God's will, do not turn to the right, do not turn to the left, but just stand fast and keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. Do you hear me? Don't go to the right, don't go to the left, don't just stand there afraid. Keep walking with Jesus every single day. Keep doing the will of God. Don't, don't be threatened. Don't be or allow yourself to be bullied. Don't, and, and look, the devil is going to, the, the moment you get a little fiber, the moment you get a little spiritual strength, the moment you get a little bit of discipleship momentum going, the enemy's gonna walk up and say, who do you think you are? You think you're you know, the next Billy Graham, you think you're the next Chuck Smith, you think this and that about, hey, you are nothing, I can wipe you out. And so when you are threatened, there will be an old mentality when you were a slave to the enemy that, that instinctively is telling you, you know, cower, be afraid and take the pressure off, just kind of back off a little bit. Look, you know what? We have all done that at times in our lives to our own regret, but let me just say this. Our Father is so good and so gracious and so loving and so patient, and He so much wants us all to grow up to the full measure of the stature of Christ. He gives you another chance. So just because you failed and you have been bullied or stymied or you did get distracted or you got knocked off that path that God had, get back up, stand back up, start walking forward, anticipate that 
The devil's going to come, intimidate you, yell at you, try to bully you, because why not? It's been effective in the past, right? But guess what? The next time that you stand there and go, uh-uh, I'm not moving. You don't have to huff and you don't have to puff and you don't have to yell and you don't have to scream. You stand, I stand here by the will of my Father. I stand in the name and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If he starts throwing accusations, yeah, but you're this, you're that, and all your sins. You don't defend yourself. You don't say, well, no, I'm, I've changed, or I don't you know, do that anymore, or whatever. No, the enemy's throwing accusations at you from the past, go, guilty as charged, washed in the blood. Did you hear that devil blood of Jesus Christ? He does not like to be reminded. If he's gonna remind you of sins of your past every single time, then you say, then I'm going to burn you by reminding you of the blood of the lamb that is washed. And I'm telling you he that he hates being reminded of the blood more than you hate being reminded of your sin. And he will move as Jesus kept a beeline going toward Jerusalem. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. It's interesting that about Herod, uh, what did Jesus have to say to this selfish, evil, corrupt, materialistic, uh, immoral man named Herod? What did Jesus say to Herod? Absolutely nothing. Not one word. May I say that when Jesus has nothing to say to a man, that man is hopeless. Herod, with all his you know, threats, he was the last one to be threatening. He should have been begging for mercy. He should have been humbling himself. Jesus says, in effect, I'm going to do my Father's will and nothing will stop me. Nothing will distract me. And King Jesus said that he will go to Jerusalem. In fact, this is when he makes a beeline to Jerusalem. He is going there knowingly to die for our sins. Now look with me in verse 33. Nevertheless, I must journey today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Here Jesus is saying, not only am I going to Jerusalem. See, the, the Pharisees wanted to keep Jesus out of Jerusalem. That's where their strength and base was, down where the temple was. And Jesus says, no, I'm going there. And I am a prophet of God. And I will prove it from here in the next several days as I continue to cast out devils and heal the sick and preach the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is saying, if you, Herod, want to kill me or anybody else wants to kill me, he better make plans to go to Jerusalem because there and only there will I die. That's what's been prophesied. And by the way, that's where all the prophets, the true prophets of God in the past have been killed. I want you to just take a moment now 
Whatever your ideas and concepts of Jesus are, I want you to think of him now. Think of the bravery of Jesus Christ. No one, no one else knows what's going to come. You and I know because we're on the other side of history and we're on the other side of these things actually unfolding and happening. But nobody, nobody had a clue really what was going to happen. John didn't really know. Peter didn't really know. James didn't really know. Matthew didn't really know what was coming in literally a few days and hours. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And oh, the bravery of our Savior. He knew he was going as a lamb to be sacrificed. One description of him is he was like an all-knowing Isaac. Remember when Isaac went up to the mountain with his father? Here's an all-knowing Isaac carrying the wood for the sacrifice as well as the knife on his back up the mountain to be sacrificed for you and for me. And, and if you had seen Jesus at this moment, on a human level, you might have been afraid. Hey, Lord, I mean, they have been, they don't say anything now because Peter had already tried to stop the Lord and been rebuked for it. But there was a determination that, that humanly you would have picked up on like, whoa, don't try to get him off. His determination is to go to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. This is what he says it's all about, even though they don't know what's going to be happening. And it was only later, after the death, after the beating, after the crucifixion, after the pain of the, the days in between, his burial, and then the exhilaration of his resurrection, and then the appearances and disappearances for 40 days, and then the ascension up into heaven, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Only later, I'm sure that they re reflect back, do you remember as the horror of the crucifixion and the beating and, and the scourging and uh, it was just beyond, beyond. And, and they're thinking, do you remember how purposeful he was? Do you remember that moment when they threatened him and said, you better get out of here, you better not go down. And he said, I am going and I will keep going and I know what's happening and I'm on my way and there's nothing that will stop me. What was it that put that determination that fierceness, that you will not talk me out of this, that I know what I've come to do. And what they would all later reflect upon is that it was his love. It was love that led Jesus. It was love that drew irresistibly Jesus to Jerusalem to do his Father's will. It is love determined for you and for me. That passion, that intensity, that determination towards you and I. And by the way, that's your Lord. That is your Savior. That's in your spiritual DNA by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And he wants us to have that same determination, intensity, passion, zeal back toward him. What is the first and the greatest commandment? To love God how? Pretty much? most of the time, or with everything you've got, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my soul, with everything that is within me. There is, as the Bible says, eternity. Think about this. This is a heavy thought. God 
has placed eternity in the hearts of men. What is eternity? Eternity is eternity. God has placed something that is, the, is like this big, giant, gaping uh, hole of eternity. It goes way beyond the universe. God has put eternity in the hearts of men. Why? For we are made in the image and after the likeness of him who is eternal. We are his sons and we are his daughters. And that yearning, that's why there are only certain things in, in a human experience that God gives to you that are, we think, oh, they're physical things with, that are metaphors. No, they're more than that. They are, they're where you get to taste what it's like to hunger for God, to thirst for God. I tell you that every physical cell in your body and being craves the Holy Spirit. You get deceived to think it craves other things. What it really craves, and the only thing that satisfies, is the burning presence and passion of the Shekinah glory of Almighty God. And once you figure that out and let it start to flow, it turns into a, it fans into flame and is this burning passion. Jesus was not afraid of danger. He basically is saying, I'm on a divine timetable and there is nothing that can distract me, deter me, or for that matter, harm me until I get to where my Father wants me to go. And even there, what happens to me upon the cross comes through the loving fingers of my heavenly Father. And the other side of that cross is a resurrection. And the other side of that resurrection is salvation for my eternal brothers and sisters. And that's you and I. It was in fact decided from all eternity past that Jesus would be at Passover that year in Jerusalem and die for you and me. First Peter chapter one, verses 20 and 21. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. That is a powerful thing. There in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, he indeed was foreordained to do what? Die, be crucified before the foundation of the world. I mean, go, go back, go back, go back, go back in time until eternity passed. There's no, in other words, it, because it's, it was eternally ordained before the foundations of the world, from the beginning of time, God knew that he would love you so much that he would send Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. And so, because of that, here you've got the Pharisees are after Jesus, the uh, Sadducees don't like him, Herod is after him. He's got lots of enemies as he makes his way to Jerusalem. But as we note here, in fact, our Lord's enemies only help fulfill the will of God. When you put your faith and your trust in the Lord, God will make even your enemies to praise him, even the wrath of man he will make to praise him. Pastor Ray Bentley with great encouragement about the provision and care of God from today's study in the Gospel of Luke here on Maranatha Radio. Now today's study is titled, Come Under My Wings. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. 
Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.